1: Hello everyone, thanks for joining me today. Delighted to welcome James O'Brien from Leap Forward Thinking. Leap Forward Thinking is a leadership development and coaching consultancy in the UK. So James, thanks for joining me today. Hey Ben, thanks for having me along. Great stuff. So let's dive right into it. Can you tell us about what kind of consulting you do and who are your ideal clients?
0: Sure. Well, my business seeks to increase leadership capability and behaviors in businesses of all sizes. Realistically, my ideal clients are companies that don't have a full-time L&D provision, or if they do, that L&D provision doesn't really have a leadership, leadership specialty, so they ask me to come along and, and work with them. Right. I work with all levels of management to help provide what's needed, uh, and that changes from company to company and, and through those different management lines. So what I provide is typically based on what it is that's needed. Very good. And how did you
1: actually get into the game?
0: Well, I had a, a fairly longish career within l and I think I've been in L&D for about 16 years now. Okay. Started at Egg many, many moons ago. I was asked to join the, the training team just as part of a restructure that was going on. Wasn't a natural place for me to be, but I was developed really well whilst working there. And so I kind of developed a... a love eventually for training for (laughs) L&D and then I had a couple of different roles after that um, finally ending up at Beolia for a few years where we were rolling out a a massive leadership program to all managers throughout the UK and that I, I guess is really where my my passion for the leadership topics came about because I could see I could see where they were lacking, but I could see the impact that they were having for the people that we were taking through the program as well. It was, um, so it was a long program. It was three modules, but over a kind of a 12 week period. So I got to see the same people coming back, listening to the fruits of their labor. So that's, that's really what got me into leadership. And then to go out on my own was more because I just wanted exposure to more of that. You know, once I'd worked with these managers, there's, there's a few more things we can do, but long term there isn't that that much, so mm. for me to continue having that same uh, that same connection with people and seeing the same light bulbs within people, I, I knew I was going to have to go out and try somewhere else, mm. but I didn't want to work for just one business. I set up leap forward with the with the idea that I would partner with maybe five six, seven businesses, and then that way I get to be embedded within what that business is about and the culture of that business, but I 'm not. A huge overhead to them and i don't become boring for them you know that i can dip in and i can dip out and that relationship happens over a number of years uh, and so that's why i set up on my own
1: nice nice and what are the typical outcomes that they get when they work with you uh
0: well that depends on what it is that they're looking to achieve i mean i focus on behaviors on people so there's no one specific outcome other than whatever it was that the, the hiring manager and say hiring in terms of bringing me on board yeah. uh, wanted to achieve. So um, it's not like a presentation skills course where, you know, you go on it and you finish the day or days being able to or having better skill set in, in presenting. You work with me and your behaviors are more focused on what it is you're looking to achieve, but there is no specific behavior. It's, it's whatever it is that someone's trying to, to get out of it. I guess as an example of that, have recently been helping a business to build their senior leadership team. So the existing team that they have is made up mainly from recent appointments, so brand new into the business, or from internal recruitment, so uh, internal promotions. Their MD was looking to help everyone understand how their functional role could be best served by their peer group, rather than as that team previously had worked, before the new people had come in, everyone working within silos, everyone knowing what their job is and what the job of their teams are and they focused them on that. They were never very strategic and they didn't come together as a senior leadership team. So I worked with them for a couple of days to get them working with each other, understanding what the strengths of their senior leadership peer group was and then identifying gaps within that team. I was using Belbin specifically for that team. So helping people understand what their team role behaviors were and which team role behaviors were not being exhibited in any strength within that existing team. So we were creating action plans to ensure that those missing team roles were picked up by people that, that had the capability to do so.
1: Sounds like an interesting project.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And there's, there's still a bit more work to do um, and it might even end up in recruitment. You know, we, I tried to do it so it doesn't end up in recruitment because the the answer to every problem can't be, let's bring in more people. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that, that is the answer as well. But when you do bring in those people, let's make sure they're exhibiting the behaviors that are missing, not I like them or they can do the job really well. There's other parts that that need to play, uh, play a part in that.
1: Yeah. Or that they don't get dragged down to the old levels that you're trying to change. What's good and not so good about making the move from the corporate world to becoming an independent consultant?
0: Do you know what's not been so good? It's it's kind of been entirely down to me. So um, finding the right clients to work with and building a name for myself has been really difficult. Mm -hmm. I hadn't spent enough time thinking about how I was going to make that transition quickly enough. So I know that the businesses take their time when they're making decisions to purchase someone or a product or, or uh, some training. Uh, and I hadn't really factored that in when I made the decision. It was a snap decision to leave my job and, and start afresh. Uh, I had three month notice period. And within that time, I think I possibly just came up with the name of the business. So I hadn't really <laughs> um, given enough credit to what the, the challenges were going to be setting up on my own. And hey, look, there's, there's lots of people like me out there that say they can do what I know I can do. And I suppose what I also hadn't done was put enough thinking into how do I separate myself from that pack uh, and give clients the confidence that what they're purchasing is exactly what they need. Sure. So that would not be so great. And like I said, it's been entirely down to me. What's been amazing, though, about heading out on my own is the opportunity to work with people that I would never have had the chance to meet if I was still employed by one business. And I love that freedom of working with clients that really want to make a difference in their organizations. So that means that any work that they do with me and I do with them won't be ticking a box. It'll be because they had a specific outcome in mind. They really wanted to work with me and were able to make that happen for them.
1: That's really good to hear. And I can actually hear that in your voice. I think that's yeah. uh, clearly a passion and a, and a benefit. When you chose the name, I'm thinking back to my schoolboy history classes on China's Great Leap Forwards. There's no illusion uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there. you know It is tricky when, you, when you're starting out. How did you get your first few clients?
0: My first few clients were old colleagues of mine specifically from Veolia, actually, mm-hmm. uh, that have moved on to new businesses and they were looking to have a similar, kind of, a similar kind of leadership mindset that we had started to build in Veolia in their new business.
1: Ah.
0: So as I mentioned, you know, the, the marketplace is full of really capable trainers and facilitators that do what I do. Mm. Uh, and so one of my biggest challenges is proving that to someone, that when they do bring me on board, they are going to get what they need. I didn't have that challenge with those people because they had already experienced me. So that that bit was dead easy. They knew who I am. Oh, sorry. They know who I am. They knew what I could bring to the table and how I could impact their business. And they had no, no worries then about bringing me in. That's not the same for people that don't know me. Mm. So that was really helpful to have colleagues that had moved on to, to different areas because I needed that.
1: Right. And what did you do? You just, you just got the word out that this is what I'm doing now. If there's anything going, let me know. What did you do?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I use LinkedIn an awful lot because I'm a one man band. And because I I only really want to develop relationships with, with a few businesses, I'm not looking to grow and employ people and, and become a global entity. For me, it really is about relationships. So LinkedIn is my place of choice. I am able to talk about what's, uh, what's important to me and what I'm passionate about. I can update people on certain case studies that, that I've got uh, and the work that I've been doing in a generic way so that I'm not talking specifically about businesses. But yeah, that's it. I, I post on LinkedIn. I, I said, look, this is what I'm doing. If anybody wants to have a conversation, give me a call. Funnily enough, it, it wasn't colleagues that, um, recently, colleagues that I'd spoken to recently or ex colleagues that I'd spoken to recently. The places where I thought I was going to get my first bits of work from, I didn't. Uh, and these mm. were really unexpected. Bits of work that I
1: got. What, what did you mean by that? That you, you thought you were going to get work from certain places that didn't eventuate.
0: But there's there's people that I've worked with really closely in the past that have gone on to decision-making positions ah. in other people and I figured in in perhaps looking back quite an egotistical way yeah. that they would want me to come and do something for them, and they had the the power to make it happen. And I, I you know I'd, I'd worked with them closely more recently, so I did think initially that that would be where my conversations came from and i do have conversations with them now and i've got great conversations going on with them just on a on a personal basis it probably won't turn into work but it's good to keep in touch with them um but yeah the the people that did contact me were totally out of the blue and i I hadn't spoken to either of them in in well over two years
1: well i must admit i've never heard of the uh the marketing strategy of going out and telling people to leave their companies and, and hire you at the new place. So I'm going to make a note of that one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean marketing channels now for getting new clients?
0: It's still LinkedIn. I mean, I, I have okay. a website, but I, I created the website more from a, just to, to have a place to showcase some of what I do, but more for, for contact details and giving people information about who I am. And I, I guess typically if, if people want some kind of training, They'll want to know that there's a website in the background that makes them a proper entity, <laughs> you know. Despite the fact it's so easy just to create one, it's it's that impression that it gives. So sure. that's why I want a website. But I don't I don't use the website to drive any any business. Uh, I could use it a little bit more, and and may well do in the future. Um, but it's there more at the moment just as that, that backup. LinkedIn is the place that I I talk to people. My business is is, is It rests on building relationships. So I need to choose a platform that enabled me to talk to people, not have a transactional relationship with people. And I find, personally, I find LinkedIn to be a fantastic vehicle for that.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I was speaking with a consultant last night in a different area and he's, he's turned everything else off, Twitter and Instagram and this and that and just said LinkedIn is where it's at for his business anyway. So interesting to hear you say that. So have you ever gone into a company to do a small piece of consulting work and then ended up doing something larger or longer and how did that come about and is it something you could replicate?
0: Uh, y- yes, I have. Yes, it could. So um, the very first piece of work that I did, as I mentioned, with one of my ex-colleagues, he simply asked me to come in and facilitate uh, a team day. So he'd been the MD of this business for maybe about a year at this point. And he wanted to start building a bit more trust within his his management team and a bit more cohesiveness to where they were going because the, the business is growing rapidly and they had some really aggressive growth plans for 2019. So he asked me just to come in and facilitate a day around that to get everyone's minds... Pointed towards where he was looking to take the business and get some solutions from that room and, and how they could take it. So that was a really good day that we had with them. But off the back of that, I ended up having conversations with him and a couple of his direct reports about some of the skill gaps that their managers had in order to take what they were looking to do forward. So that created an opportunity for, uh, for further coaching, actually. So it's turned into this big coaching program now that I'm working with his managers training them on coaching and coaching them as well um, so that they can take that culture through the rest of the business and, and just help people being a bit more agile in their thinking mm. so in terms of replicating it uh, as part of your question it, it is just that ongoing relationship can i replicate it not exactly but i will go in and i'll do some work with a business and I'll, I'll pretty much never just walk away from that business dusting my hands off and saying job done thanks for the Thanks for the cash. There's, there's always conversations to be had. It may end up in work. It may not end up in work, but I, I, I hate the feeling of kind of parachuting in and, and then leaving them to their own devices. Yeah. So in terms of replicating it, it'll, it'll be by chance and it'll be because that business has further need and I'm just there talking, but yeah, just, just staying in touch. would be my way of replicating it.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Which HR companies or consultants do you think market themselves well and what is it that they do so well?
0: Okay, well, I, because I work in the L&D field, I don't, I don't really tap into the wider HR mm-hmm. world too much. I do dip in every now and again. But mainly the companies that I, I watch or that catch my eye are, are other L&D companies. So the companies I've seen that market themselves really well are those companies that have lasted through some of the trying times that we've had over the last decade and, and they're now well established. Sure. Um, you know, you've got these big training providers that are able to align their offer to uh, I suppose you'd say kind of political changes that go on. Like the apprenticeship levy. That's mm-hmm. been fantastic for training providers to market their courses on, on the back of because bigger businesses have a vested interest in taking advantage of the, the money they put into the levy part. Mm-hmm and smaller businesses are getting that, that training for uh, for free or for a, a far reduced price. So that gives those large training businesses something to really focus on a market their courses off the back of. And then you've got other companies that have developed specific products, but other companies um, too that, that sit on the top of my head, I don't know if you know them, but Go Mad, uh, so Go Make mm-hmm. a Difference, a company ran by a guy called Andy Gilbert, He's had his Go mad principles out there in the marketplace for quite some time. He's written a couple of books specifically around those products, which gives him a great tool to market. You know, he, he can write a book and then do a course off the back of it, or he can run a course and sell his books off the back of it, whichever way you look at it. But the, the methodology is sound and they've done a lot of research into it. So it's, that helps them market their business when there's something that you can, uh, you can hang your hat on. Another one that does something similar is a company called Success Factory based up in the northwest of uh, of England. They do the same, but theirs is more around leadership topics. And so Graham there has developed a couple of products that are synonymous then with Success Factory. So the, the businesses, the short answer is the businesses that seem to market themselves really well are ones that can create a product that's synonymous with their business.
1: Because I was going to ask you about your thoughts on on how to smooth out cash flow by either systemizing the services or productizing your knowledge or partnering up with other companies and we can have a look at that. But on the product side, what is your thought on that?
0: Yeah, I think it's it's really strong. I think if you can be known for something, again, within the L&D space and certainly in the leadership space, it's such a wide topic that you can conceivably be an expert in leadership. But the the, the client, the customer, the business, they don't necessarily know what they're getting. So if you're able to develop one specific product that you can market and market well, and you know will ring bells with business leaders because that's a, an actual problem in their business, then you know everything else can form part of that. The offer can come in afterwards. You can talk to them about everything else that your company or your business does, but the the product can be the hook. I do think systemizing it or productizing it is is really really powerful for businesses I think systemizing making things simple making things accessible at a a business's fingertips that's even more powerful right you know you've you've managed to help a business solve a problem but it's now their solution as well and they can use it whenever they wish I think that's really quite powerful
1: Mm. it might be tricky to systemize internally anyway within your own business if you're dealing with different clients and different situations so you wouldn't necessarily just have off-the-shelf programs that you implement right so Mm. you're more talking about within their the, the client's situation is that right
0: yeah absolutely i mean yeah within my business currently in the way that i've set myself up no i don't have any off the shelf and i don't know that i would from a course perspective would ever want to go down that road i know how effective it can be for for businesses but it's not what I'm building mine on. Mm -hmm. But that's also why I decided to partner up with, uh, with GPI because they have created from what I see a fantastic product and one that can be loaded into lots of different businesses for them to be able to tailor what they need out of it. So it's not, it's a product, but it's not just one product. It's, it's a number of products that's suiting different needs. And I I actually really loved that about what GPI had done.
1: Can you just kind of pause you there, GPI, can you tell us about that?
0: Sorry. Great people inside are a business that have created, I don't know how best to explain it, but they've created assessments that get to the root of people's behaviours. And, and, you know, if I go back to what I said right at the start of this podcast is that I like to focus on people's behaviours, the synergy for me to work with that business then was, was clear. Helping people understand same with Belbin in a way but helping people understand what's missing Uh, so if you are for example Ben if you're going to recruit for a, a position do you know what it is you want from the person that's coming into that role because lots of people will have the right qualifications or the same qualifications and people may even well have the same experience albeit within different businesses but who's the person that's coming into that role and what do I expect of that person and what do I really want from that person and and one of the the easiest ways I say easiest it's easy now that people have done the background work into it one of the easiest ways to do that is to judge it on behaviors who am I having there are so many people that are recruited into businesses that end up leaving after a month or three months because the business isn't right for them or they're not right for the business and that's got nothing to do with their qualifications or experience it's about them the person um, and, and that's what GPI, GPI have created, is an assessment for the person. Um, and, and so it works alongside. It doesn't replace your, your, your internal, internal recruitment policies and procedures. You've still got to interview someone. You've still got to look at CVs. But it does help whittle down the number of CVs you might want to sift through. Okay. And it does focus the questions that you might ask within an interview rather than just always the standard competency-based questions.
1: Is it just for recruitment, or can you use it for team development as well?
0: No, you can use it for, for team development. You can use it for personal development. The, the recruitment was just an example of how it may be okay. used. But if yep. you have... I could have conceivably used it... When I spoke about using Belbin previously with a, with a company, I could have conceivably used GPI. Now, the reason I used Belbin at that time uh, was for something else. But I could also bring GPI in... To help again understand behaviours and help develop an individual's behaviours to where that company or that leader needs those behaviours to be, they offer as well, mate. They they, they do three sixties, and I, I do okay. love a three sixty <laughs> to a coaching. Uh, not not three sixties for the sake of three sixties and yeah. anything else, but they're great for personal coaching. Yeah, and, and like that. And again, not to sound like a broken record, but because it's based on behaviours, it helps me do what I I want to
1: do okay and so on the partnering side how does that work what have you done there
0: uh well i had a chat with with martin who's who's leading it over here in the uk and he introduced me to the product showed me what the product was and and what it could do and then I took away an agreement. So there's an agreement that we have in place for me to be a channel partner of, uh, of GPI, just basically outlining what I will do for GPI, what they'll do for me, and, and certainly what we won't do to each other, uh, <laughs> and stealing clients and everything else. Right. Um, what it does for me is it provides a, a, another tool that I can give a customer. Again, I've, I've mentioned my coaching in the 360s, so that's fantastic. But if, if I am to work with larger companies that are spending a lot of money on recruitment and team development. And when I say money, I do also mean time within that. I consider time to be a cost. Then this tool can help reduce that and again, focus it on the outcomes that they need. So the partnership that I have with GPI enables me to have that software to give to the company, to tailor for the company. And in the early days as well, just provide me with support on how I can best help that business to make the most of the GPI offer.
1: Right. You can still offer your bespoke consulting services, but then also have a product to bring in to supplement that. Or...
0: It has no downsides to me as a business, okay. and quite a lot of upsides. There's no upfront cost. There's no monthly cost to me as a business. You know, the, the the charging structures. I won't get into the detail, but the charging structures are extremely fair and based on what you provide to other businesses. So if if I go an entire year and never talk about the GPI product. There's no detriment to mm-hmm. them or to me other than, than growth and, and cash flow. Mm. But if I go an entire year and I only talk about the GPI product and I, I get lots of business there, then the businesses that I'm working with get a great, great product. I get a bit of income and GPI gets a passive income as well because it was it was their product that they created.
1: Yeah. And from my experience talking to management teams, they, they do like tools and assessment te- technologies <laughs> and things like this. It's something practical that they can see as opposed to uh, the softer side that they don't necessarily always get. So
0: It's measurable. And you know, managers are always taught that if it's not measurable, it's not worthwhile focusing on, right? Yeah. Well, it's a tool that helps them measure behaviours. And in my experience and continued opinion, managers don't focus on behaviours enough because they are seen as, as a bit too soft and a bit too difficult to manage. Huh. But provide a tool that helps them measure that, it all of a sudden changes the game for them.
1: Yes. And you mentioned earlier some some of the other businesses or consultants that have been turning their knowledge into products or books and things. Have you ever been tempted to go down the, the book publishing path?
0: <laughs> I have. Uh, I, I have and I am, Ben. Um, oh. But, okay, so we've got a caveat on that as well. I have a bit of a passion for the fact that Managers, certainly first line managers, are, are rarely ever given the right training straight away. It's normally something that's recognized after the event. It's mm-hmm. amazing to promote people from a, a doing job into a managing job and forget the fact that it's the doing skills that they've carried forward with them and that's what they'll focus on mm-hmm. um, rather than the thinking and management and leadership. So, a, a bit of a passion about that, but also the unfairness of it in terms of, of what a manager goes through, that there is no one manager job that once you're in a management position, you are expected to and will have to complete loads of different functions from project managing and, and mentoring, coaching, teaching, counseling. You know, there's all of these different real, real jobs that a manager has to perform. So the book I'm writing is, is, is about that, actually. It's, it's about breaking down. I've picked out, or well, me and a couple of colleagues have picked out 15 key roles that we see a manager will have perform over the life cycle. And um, we're providing tools and tips and hints and, and stories about how they can get into those roles without being experts in those roles. But that's not to do with my business. And, and that's why I, where I say the caveat comes in. that Okay. Off the book, i back of the book. I'm, I'm not, there's no leadership product that I'm going to have. It, it was actually just a, a labor of love, I suppose, yeah. a, a, something that I was interested in. So, yes, mate, I have been tempted. And hopefully by the end of this year, we will have finished and published
1: well folks you heard it here first look you you absolutely need to write that because i'm having flashbacks to a role early in my career where i actually had to face down union action and they were going to go on strike because they didn't like the supervisor who was a really smart scientist who'd been asked to become a operational supervisor and no training no supporters just in you go wow it 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 spiraled out of control so i I think you need to publish that asap. (laughs) <laughs> so if i turn to the lnd or the hr industry as a whole it continues to evolve at a rapid rate what changes and challenges do you see now and into the future
0: i don't really want to talk about it but <laughs> i'm going to answer the question <laughs> the, the, the british exit from the european union i mm. you know it's a, it's a topic that everybody is is likely sick of hearing about but that is going to be the biggest challenge short short term for me uh, in consultancy and in hr you know i can feel that there's a level of uncertainty that's impacting decisions being taken. And the most worried of of those businesses aren't taking any action at the moment. It feels like people are just waiting and we've been waiting for a few months. And if you're not developing people, if you're not putting money into thinking about the future, then you are coasting. And we know what, what happens to businesses that just coast for a certain amount of months. So I think that's going to be the biggest challenge within Mm. HR is, Right now, today, next week, getting businesses to get back to focusing on people and developing people and not waiting until whatever decision is taken and, and however that plays out. Because when the dust settles, we're left with those people. There may be more people, there may be less people. You know, It doesn't really matter. You want your people to be agile in their thinking and be able to deal with these sorts of things as they come up and not wait until they've happened and then look backwards to how we can Respond to it. For me, well, I don't like the, the the topic to be brought up all the time. British exit is going to be and continue to be a bit of an issue. Right. Longer term, uh, well, that as well. Just that that it's not the British exit, but it's the mindset behind it. Mm-hmm. That businesses stop focusing on developing people. So I think longer term, and this is a new problem. It's one that we've faced in HR for a long time. Is continuing to to focus Business leaders on developing people so that they can be, I've already said it, agile. And then we, we can take these sorts of topics off the table as being short-term challenges because it's it's expected and we're prepared for it in our minds, maybe not physically, but in our minds. And then I guess AI is something that's in the future going to provide us in HR and in l and a bit more of a challenge. We don't know just how jobs are going to change, but from my mind, from my perspective, jobs may change but people are still going to be required. And so I see it as our responsibility then to prepare people for how they can respond to that new world, whatever that new world looks like. Um, we no longer can say, perhaps I am a insert job title here, mm-hmm. but more I have these skills and this is how I'm going to apply them in today's market and tomorrow's market.
1: And the Brexit topic there, it reminds me of when, when employers suddenly panic when there's a skill shortage and they go, oh, we better start introducing, I don't know, foosball tables and free lunches and things so that we don't lose staff or we can hire people. But you've got to think much earlier down the track. Yeah. I like the word user, but coasting, you use about coasting. You need to avoid that. The yeah. um, yeah, AI is going to be huge, I think. So finally, any, any tips on interesting people, websites or tools, podcasts, books, whatever that HR, L&D businesses should check out to enable them to grow faster?
0: Well, I mean, Ben, if, if you and I aren't interesting enough, I suppose to throw in the mix. I mean, I mentioned a couple of businesses earlier in terms of GoMad and, and Success Factory, so they're out there and they're, and they're very active. And what they do, they're worthwhile following. Okay. I'll be honest. I haven't seen too many people that I feel I absolutely must follow. You know, I've got a big LinkedIn network, and there's lots of individuals in there that make me think. And these individuals are people that are employed in other businesses. So they're not out there looking to make a name for themselves. They just care deeply about the topic and people and L&D or HR. So actually, I, I like listening and reading thoughts and opinions from people working within the field, not necessarily those leaders. But resting back on that, like I've said, there's obviously your podcast that people should be, subscribing to <laughs> ah, promoting it on your podcast isn't isn't necessarily going to be helpful already <laughs> um because i'm in lnd there's a certain number of websites that i i like to look at every now and again uh, one is glass tap um yeah glass tap they helped me out really early on in my training career they are uh, a repository of training material if, if you subscribe to what they do but they they have forums and and, and they again talk all things D. so when i was looking to learn about the industry i fell across their website and it was just a place i kept on going back to and again built a few a few uh, networks there because there was lots of people like me doing exactly the same thing right uh, if you're into resources there's trainer bubble and training zone oh, yes, um so. yeah once again i mean i haven't really use them over the, over the last year or so because I've not needed to now. But again, when I was in the field and I was, I was needing help, they were fantastic resources to get into. Uh, from a, not website, but social media, I've, I've waxed lyrical about LinkedIn throughout this podcast. Yeah. I'm going to do so again now. I, I think it's, it's a really great place for people to get to and, and to learn from each other. I ended up being part of an LED forum that uh, they meet in Stoke every month and I've, I've gone along to that, which is it's just a forum where people are talking about L&D. It is not a place for me to sell my business, mm. It's not a networking event. It's typically employed people coming together in the same way that they would on LinkedIn, but physically coming together to talk about challenges within L&D. And I love that. I love being able just to talk about the industry and not having to focus on trying to get some business off the back of it. It's, yeah, it's lovely. From, from a book perspective, that's a really tough one. Um, because lots of people have a different focus and they have loads of different interests. And there's, there's so many different resources out there that to, to name one would be doing a lot of them a disservice. Hmm. I suppose when it comes out at the back of the year, back end of the year, waiting for that, uh, <laughs> Dan Pink's The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. You can't go wrong with that one. It's What's against, it again, sorry? It's, it's called The Surprising Truth hmm. About What Motivates Us. Okay. Written by Dan Pink.
1: Oh, of course, Dan Pink, yep.
0: Yeah, it's just a really lovely book that, that opens your eyes as to motivation isn't, isn't just about money, but it is a personal thing, uh, and and we should probably pay attention to other people's motivations.
1: He's the guy did Drive, is that right? I think so. Yeah, fascinating guy. He's really Watching. good YouTube
0: videos that he's created as well, you know, just okay. off the back of that
1: book. Oh, we'll check those out. I'm making a note of all of this. This is really good. Well i'm going to wrap it up there because we've covered so much ground you've, you've been very generous with your time and, and with your ideas and so on so i'm really looking forward to sharing this with the world so i thank you again and uh, all the best with uh, leap forward thinking final question is if people do want to get in touch with you and either swap ideas or refer business or something else how do they get in touch with you or what's the best thing to do next
0: great okay so i suppose my website www.leapforwardthinking.com be really- the Ideal place to go initially because you can link to my LinkedIn from there rather than searching for all James O'Brien on LinkedIn. You can get me direct from the website. Okay. That would be the best thing. But I do encourage them because even if if people want to just connect with me to farm my network, to grow their network and look at the kind of people that I follow, follow them as well, talk to them. You know, that's what LinkedIn's all about. So feel free to do that.
1: That's great. That's very generous uh, to, to even suggest that. So thank you very much. Well, James, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure we'll be talking again soon, but all the best with the business. Brilliant. Thanks so much for your time, Ben.
0: Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business.